Hey, mate, Forty here. There's a character in one of the classics of African-American literature who says that uh, if anyone could be black just for one Saturday night, they'd never go back. And just wondering, what are we missing out by not having a chance to participate in Black Spring Break? Sounds like a pretty exciting time. Here's uh, Ann Coulter talking recently with Heather McDonald. Yeah, it's out now. Oh, the poor man. He better move to Iowa. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Out, <laughs> out of the country. No, out of the country. I mean, they follow no. that Jones. Yeah. So, but okay, the, go ahead with the... I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt, but the, the media... No, no, is, but, the dual yeah. standard, the, the, the number of mass shootings committed by whites versus blacks, dual shootings compared to... Mar- I mean, those facts are amazing. Well, we, we get this racial bathos. We, so we've gotten it with Jordan Neely. You know, this is the way blacks die at the hands of whites. We got it with the... Hey, what's up? Shooting the 16-year-old who went to the wrong address in Kansas City and knocked on the, rang the doorbell and then possibly pulled at the storm door. This is in dispute uh, and was fatally shot by an 84-year-old white homeowner. And the racial bathos comes pouring out that, you know, to be black in America, to exist while black in America is to be a constant threat from these white supremacists. And it's just completely, it, it is the most phony narrative. That is not how black people die. Existing while black in America is much, much more dangerous than existing while white because blacks keep killing each other. It's not whites who are killing them. You could remove every white shooting of a black person and it would have no effect on the black death by homicide rate. At this point in the post-George Floyd world, the, the journal, the left-wing anti-racist woke Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, which used to be one of the premier uh, medical journals for, for pursuing and, and expanding our scientific knowledge has gone completely left-wing at this point. It published an article recently saying that in the first 18 months after COVID, which was supposed to be, you know, we explain our, our crime increase post-George Floyd race riots by COVID because we're also traumatized. Well, no, let's just translate. In the first 18 months after the George Floyd race riots, black juveniles are now killed by gun homicide at 100 times the rate of whites. So it is very dangerous to be a black in America. They are being killed by blacks. If any of those black juveniles had been killed by whites, we would have heard about it. Here's who's killing each other in an interracial fashion. Blacks are killing whites. Whites are not killing blacks. Blacks commit 87% of all interracial violence between blacks and whites and whites and blacks. That's non-lethal because this is self-reported. Um, mm-hmm. So everything the public thinks it That's knows- That's amazing statistic. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And yet we all go around worrying about, you know, driving while black, existing while black, knocking on the door doorbell, ringing the doorbell while black, all these things you have. I, I wrote about this Imana Perry, who's a, a uh, black studies professor at Princeton who wrote this maudlin piece in the Atlantic after the Ralph Yarl shooting about the fatigue of being black in America because you just know that they're, the whites are going to kill you again and we go through the same we go through the same rituals of calling each other up and making sure that we're not too traumatized by this. It's just phony. The whole thing is phony. We're supposed to say their names. They have never, these activists, these professors, the press has never said the names of Legend Talaferro, a, a four-year-old boy who was shot in a drive-by shooting in Kansas City in 2020. We're all saying Ralph Yarl. We will never say the names of the one-year-olds, the two-year-olds, the four-year-olds whose brains have been blown to pieces by black teenagers, these black children, because they are being blown up by black teenagers. Nobody cares about their names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it, it really is stunning. I, I, I think I told you I, I want there to be um, a conspiracy theory movie about this being liberals' plan to wipe out <laughs> black people and replace them with more, more tractable Hispanic workers. Um, just let them blast away at one another, because the only people who talk about this endlessly well are mostly, mostly you and a few other conservatives, that it is blacks killing blacks, and those lives absolutely 100% do not matter. Um, you had 
Oh, one story. Well, there's so many. Every page. Oh, incidentally, I read this on Kindle, so you know, it makes it very easy to highlight. And once again, I've done this with other of your books, but I realized it would be easier to highlight the stuff I don't want to highlight <laughs> <laughs> because every page is just a full page of highlights. The one about um, the Black Spring Break, which incidentally I mentioned that on um, New York City radio station, um, and it, it was being advertised as Black Spring Break. There was a web page, Black Spring Break. But I said Black Spring Break. The media was trying to push that. As, as a bunch of fraternity guys and, you know, Virginia fraternity, it's probably the Duke lacrosse team. But I happened to know that it was it was the Black Spring Break. And I said Black Spring Break and I could hear the host like freak out when I said that. I had to explain to him, no, really, that's what it's called. I'm not making that up. But anyway, could you describe the Black Spring Break in Miami? That that was and the way The New York Times did not cover one of the highlights from that Black Spring Break. Well, that chapter is already kind of superannuated because we had another Black Spring Break this last February and March, the exact same thing. Actually, it was worse. This had many more fatal shootings down in Miami. The, 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 the Democratic mayor this year again said, like, we can't handle this any longer. The, the mayhem is too great. The one I wrote about, uh, the New York Times had a whole article about the spring break in Miami, and it was complaining about the fact that the city had at some point imposed a curfew, had come down hard on, uh, you know, the windows being shattered, restaurants being stolen from people walking off with, with food, silverware, glasses, beating each other up, marauding down. And, and this was all seen as a racist response. Uh, and, and if these had been white students, there just never would have been any problem. And so the whole story is that this is all racist. They bury at like paragraph 22, you have to go way, way deep on the second or third page of what is a multi-page page spread about the racism of, of Miami officials in using law enforcement against the three days of anarchy. Uh, you learn 22 paragraphs in that there was a female who had been drugged, abducted, and left in her hotel room dead, uh, raped by two black spring breakers who stole her credit card and then went around purchasing things at Target and, and, you know, Walmart or something. Now, this, we're not any longer in the height of the Me Too movement. We're onto other things. We're back to sort of blacks as victims and trans as victims. But during the height of the Me Too movement, uh, you know, any hint of rape culture, if there was a drunken hookup at, at Amherst where some sorority girl decides that, oh, she wasn't voluntarily drunk and voluntarily taking her spaghetti strap halter top off to sleep with this guy, that this represented like some massive rape culture, we would have had a front page story about that and her, you know, regrets morning after sex. This was a white woman who was actually killed and raped and we don't even hear about it. <laughs> it's black on white. And, mm-hmm. and it happens again. It happened again this year. Not the I don't, well, maybe there was, for all we know, there was another rape and, <laughs> and, and death and we just decided it's not even worth covering at all. But, but uh, the double standards are it's very hard to follow them because it's actually like quintuple matrix, you know, Rubik's cube standards at this point. <laughs> no, your, your coverage of the media coverage is, is stunning. Um, you've gone through a lot of those facts before. Um, what else did I want to okay. uh, see what uh, YouTube shows us about uh, black, black spring break uh, caught in a stampede. All right. This looks uh, pretty exciting. Right, this is in South Beach, Florida. We see Miami-Dade Police Department here, keeping a close eye on everything. I'm noticing a large police presence right here from Miami-Dade Police Department. Okay, that looks uh, racking. Understand this, ladies and gentlemen. Wherever you go, you take you with you. Wherever you go, you take you with you. Chaos erupting on the streets of South Beach this weekend. Spring break interrupted by two deadly shootings. The 
first one on Friday night. Gunfire ringing out as restaurants were packed with customers. Crowd scrambling, ducking for cover. The shooting leaving one dead and another in critical condition. We're just out here to have a good time. And Now, this girl right here looks no older than my daughter. I mean, this girl could be my daughter. This girl looked like she could be my daughter. She can't be any older than 20. 19 at the most. 18, I would probably guess. Cannot be any more than 18 years old. This is why I'm so fiercely, fiercely protective of my babies. I'm fiercely protective of y'all, my bag chasers. I'm fiercely protective of my wife, and I'm fiercely protective of my daughter. There's no way she should be out here in these streets at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning on Miami Beach. So for those of y'all that's unfamiliar, I'm going to be reading Super Chest about the show. Thank y'all for y'all contrib- uh, contributions and holding me down. Let me tell you, for those of y'all that has not been that have not been to Miami, Miami Beach, all right? So you have a separation. Fort Lauderdale, all right? Fort Lauderdale, I got my Shinola watch on today. Shout out to Shinola. It's a Detroit brand. Got Fort Lauderdale, which is about 30, 30 to 40 minutes, depending on traffic, uh, away from Miami. I love Miami. I'm an advocate for the Miami space. Miami is a playground for people that have resources. And I want to really break down the culture based off of living there over an entire winter, three to four months, visiting there literally every other week, um, basically having a place there that's being renovated and everything like that. Miami is a playground for people that have resources and money, all right? It's also a hot spot for visitors that are looking to come in and mess up everything for everybody else. Now, one of the benefits of living in Miami or being in Miami on a regular basis is that there's really a completely different culture depending on where you go, okay? Fort Lauderdale, it get popping, but it's much more calm. You really don't hear much about it. Uh, it has its own airport. Miami has its own airport, even though they're only about 30 to 35 minutes away from each other. The beautiful thing about Miami and the spaces that I like to spend my time in is the Design District, Midtown, Wynwood. It's all in one, one same area, right off of Biscayne, which is the main street that drives up and down Miami, all right? Shout out to uh, Charles Ringo. I'm definitely seeing you. I'm going to be reading this. Then you have um, Coral Gables, which is more neighborhood friendly. They got a lot of nice parks. There's some scenic drives, trees, shrub everywhere. You have uh, Brickle, which is like downtown Miami. Uh, or in the area of downtown Miami. But then you have a completely separate island, right? And you got to take the bridge to get over there. Now, this island, which we call Miami Beach, is completely separate from Miami, all right? Most people that go over for spring break, winter break, they go over there to party. Where you see this young lady over here that's not supposed to be here, they don't even look old enough to drive, they are over in Miami Beach. Now, I go over and I visit Miami Beach, and it's a phenomenal restaurant. Me, Q, and Rita was over in Miami Beach chilling. Uh, most of the time, it's South Beach. When you walk down South Beach, you see some of the most egregious shit that you've ever seen in your life. There's some parties. There's some good restaurants. It's the former Versace Mansion. It's all of that, right? And they got some great beach, the great water, and all of that. But if you are a person that's looking to party and get shot at, go over to Miami Beach. If you're just looking for, you know, you're looking for a vibe, you're going to go shop, you're going to spend five, six thousand dollars here or there, you're going to go to Ferragamo, you're going to whatever, you want to see DJ Khaled driving through in his drop top Maybach, usually you're going to be in a design district, Midtown Miami, all of those type of places. But it's two completely different, separate scenes, parties, cultures, the whole nine yards. Let's continue. It shouldn't be like this. Can't be dodging bullets. It's crazy. They just killed somebody. Then again on Sunday. They give that boy CBR. Another shooting at 3.30 this morning on the famous Ocean Drive, killing one and wounding another. Tonight, the mayor declaring a state of emergency and instituting a curfew. The volume of people in our city, the unruly nature of too many, and the presence of guns has created a peril that cannot go unchecked, especially in the evenings. Over the last three weeks alone, we have impounded over 70 firearms. All restaurants must close by midnight, and the sale of alcohol at stores stopped at 6 p.m. Officials hoping this stops the violence. Now, as I've said many times, we don't ask for spring break in our city. We don't want spring break in our city. Miami Beach is a popular destination for spring breakers, known for its wild parties and crowded scenes. And that's exactly what it looks like at night. That's literally Ocean Drive. Rita refused. She refuses. I say, Rita, you want to stay on Miami Beach just one time? We can go on the north side. We ain't even got to go on the side. Rita said, nope. 
Okay, so uh, Miami Beach doesn't sound like a very nice Across the country and around the world, people are seeing violent images of South Beach in crisis. CBS News Miami's Larry Seward is live with that part of the story. Larry? Elliot, someone no part of spring break. At least one cafe owner told me he plans to close next spring break and risk hundreds of thousands of dollars if he sees no change. 32nd anniversary. David Wallach mints no words. All of Miami Beach is is being held hostage. He owns Mango's Tropical Cafe on Ocean Drive. Somebody ran in with a gun. Where tourists Katie and Devin named tasted chaos. A stampede of people running from threats of violence outside that made international headlines. For about 10 years now, it's been the same thing over and over. Over and over, every year, the same thing. The same weekend every year. Are you Why fed up? I'm very fed up. Shortly after the first incident over there at Mango's, it was like everybody went back to normal. And some people were like, well, it's just... That's just what happens here. How do you how do you stop this? Tourism is the biggest contributor to the Miami Beach economy. It generates nearly a billion dollars in hotel, food, and beverage money alone, with more than 8 million people in South Florida landing for day trips in the last fiscal year. But spring break violence every second and third week of March invites perceptions begging for change. Why spend my money on South Beach? Why would I possibly do that when I know at midnight I have to be out of here? Yeah. While the manager of this nightclub near 15th and Washington want no part of curfew. Now I'm prepared to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars next year just by closing. Wallach sees too much at stake. Miami Beach is a beautiful, wonderful, magical place. We're a great place to come year-round. The second and third week, we'll figure it out and make that great again as well. Chaos on South Beach leading to a curfew change and causeway closure over the weekend. And all of this happening during spring break, but city leaders are saying they're not necessarily all college students. And Local 10's Terrell Fournay is joining us live from Miami Beach with the latest. Terrell, what are you hearing out there? Well, Christy, after yet another wild weekend with near record crowds, uh, things are expected to calm down at least over the next few days or so. So that 8 p.m. curfew will not be into effect, at least for tonight. But things could change if the city feels that the problem is getting out of hand during the weeknights. Tourists are from all over. I'm from Dallas. I'm from L.A. New York. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And their reasons for flocking to South Beach this spring break season varies. We didn't go to college, but we came for spring break. I'm not in school, but I would love to be. I go to Auburn. I'm in school to be a paramedic. The problem made worse because of the pandemic has been tough to control for police. <laughs> Just last night after an 8 p.m. Yeah, I think it's the pandemic that's behind all this bad behavior. Curfew went into effect. In the entertainment district, throngs of people partied in the streets, even jumping onto cars. Today, the damage is evident on the tops of those vehicles near 8th Street in Pennsylvania. A car even has its windshield bashed in. We actually haven't even really been able to enjoy our vacation. We stayed here at the Bentley. There's been a lot of, of the younger millennials that came out here for spring break just been acting hectic and I'm not used to this. I come out here every year. An emergency city commission meeting was held Sunday after the city declared a state of emergency. The causeway closures and curfew was officially extended. Police have made more than a thousand arrests since last month, a third of which have been for felony offenses. 
80 firearms have been seized from Miami Beach streets. The city is no longer referring to this time frame as spring break, rather a high volume, high impact period. We're seeing the people that are coming and partying here aren't necessarily college students. We've tracked the arrest records and we know most of them are coming from out of state and not necessarily coming for spring break. And so the city has the... Wow, it sounds like it's out of status. And this is CBS 4 News tonight. Right now on this late edition of CBS 4 News, a change of pace for South Beach after Mayor Dan Gelber announced a curfew to deal with those unruly spring break crowds. The order bringing traffic to a standstill as drivers try to leave the area. This is a live look at I-395 after the mayor shut down the MacArthur and Julia Tuttle causeways. Officials want non-residents and those who do not work in the area to keep away while that curfew is in effect. And while the mayor's mandate is causing some divided reactions, those who live in Miami Beach are seeing a much quieter neighborhood tonight. CBS 4's Bo Beth Yates joins us live with how authorities are enforcing the new rules. Bo Beth. Well, it's an eerie feeling to see the popular Ocean Drive literally clear from 5th Street all the way. So, yeah, if you have a lot of crime, it really seems to deteriorate the quality of life, diminish social trust. Uh, people tend to pull in, stay home more, watch more TV. They're less likely to be pro-social. They're less likely to try to build anything tonight at six these two images of miami beach are night and day both literally and figuratively chopper four flew over spring breakers on the beach today which looks very different from the flashing police lights from two deadly shootings on ocean drive over the weekend and those acts of violence have city leaders working to calm the chaos and we're getting new details at 6 about those efforts. Good evening, everyone. I'm Elliot Rodriguez. And I'm Jim Barry. Lauren is off tonight. The South Beach shootings have led to a state of emergency for Miami Beach. So the question is, where do we go from here? Tonight, we've got team coverage of efforts to keep. Okay, so apparently Miami Beach is a South Florida island city connected by bridges to mainland Miami but it is distinct from Miami. Bring break safe. Our crews are in Miami Beach and also Fort Lauderdale. CBS News Miami Morning Edition anchor Betty Wynn is on South Beach tonight. First off, welcome to the team, Betty. How's it looking out there tonight? Well, I have to tell you, uh, some of these commissioners in Miami Beach are scratching their heads right about now. They just moments ago ended their special meeting that started around 4.15 this afternoon. They were thinking they were... I'm scratching my head too. Like, why? Like, why would, why would Black Spring Break have so much chaos, man? I'm, look, look how much I've been scratching my head. I'm, I'm going bald here. We're going to extend this curfew into next weekend, but they failed to secure enough votes to do so. They lost that by four to three vote there. So it doesn't appear that the curfew will extend to next weekend. However, we did learn during that meeting that the uh, city manager does have the authority, the power to create things in two days. It's sad that we have this issue with guns and violence and people just. Yeah, I think it's guns. It's out-of-staters, and it's the pandemic. It's trying to have fun. As thousands of people pack Miami Beach during spring break, some tourists say they are frightened. 
after last weekend's violence. I don't think I've ever ducked and hid from gunshots in my life, and I've done it three times. Now a Fort Lauderdale man, Dontavious Polk, is under arrest, accused of shooting and killing a man near 11th Street and Ocean Drive early Sunday morning. You were arrested for one count of first-degree murder. And I will appoint the public defender's office. Circuit Judge Mindy Glazer had strong words for Polk and what he allegedly did. Basically executed the, the victim, just walking down the street and shot and killed him. No provocation. And Friday, there were unruly crowds after another deadly shooting just a few blocks south near 7th Street on Ocean Drive. The, the, the shootings that occurred occurred almost in front of police officers or within sight of them. They were there so quickly, and within minutes, people were arrested. The most astonishing thing I have learned about you in the last week is you were a deconstructionist. Oh my gosh, I would have hated you in college. Oh, and I would have thought you were so lowbrow and unintellectual and blind. And now I look back on the people that were saying, my, my student peers that were saying, God, this deconstruction thing is really crazy. They were brilliant. Like, how, did they, how were they so insightful and why was I so blind? But I was, yeah, I was absolutely uh, uh, a zealot. And I hope that I'm not being equally blind in, zeal in my zealotry now against what I see as idiocy. I don't know, maybe the personality uh, never, never changes. But it seemed very, I was interested in language. It was the hottest thing going. It was a secret knowledge that, that puts you in a little secret society, understanding that language always breaks down, that all books are only about themselves, that there's no such thing as the human subject. And, and for some, I came in, you know, loving uh, Melville, loving uh, uh, Absalom, Absalom and, and other William Faulkner because the language was just so strange and, and Baroque and arcane. And so deconstruction held itself out as a theory of language that involved very close reading, close attention to text. I like doing that, I'm a, you know, studious by nature. And uh, I wasted most of my college career uh, reading Jacques Derrida instead of, instead of uh, Alexander Trollope, instead of Trollope. <laughs> Derrida was a, um, I don't know, honorary visiting professor at Cornell. And I would go to his lectures just to watch the pseudo intellectuals. Um, but huge, he would pack the lecture. So what, what the heck has been going on? Three Miami. decades, his popular restaurant and nightclub, Mango's Tropical Cafe, is in the heart of South Beach. Anyone who thinks that, oh, look at the, look at the money they're making, it's, that's an absolute lie. That's not the case. It is not the case. The only ones who are stuck on the front lines are the businesses and, their, and our staff. Wallach didn't want to take any chances, deciding to close Mango's early throughout the weekend as this, captured on the restaurant surveillance cameras, Crazy. was playing out just outside. We had multiple wow. human stampedes of hundreds of people rushing at you like a tsunami of people, plates, glass, flying people running over each other. Thank God nobody was trampled. We're all literally uh, in mortal danger in that kind of a situation. Crazy. Can you believe you're even saying that right now, given no, that we're talking about spring break crowds on Miami it, Beach? Victor, it's sure. so surreal. He to, believes city um, officials... It was, such, it was so big at Cornell. I wanted to sell like, um, you know, Aerosmith or Yes, those those black t-shirts they'd sell for the big concerts. Derrida! Yep. Um, I... I I was cured of pretty much any interest in Derrida, not only by hearing one of his lectures, but you may remember what this was. It was a Cornell professor, and he wrote in the New York Review of Books. I may have a copy of it someplace in my files. Um, but he wrote wow, an those are files. On, <laughs> he wrote an attack on deconstructionism that suddenly just made it all clear, and that was the end of it for me. Well, I was asked recently on a podcast, like, where do you get your courage? I said, well, I'm not sure I'm so courageous, and I, I have no idea. And again, I don't, I'm not going to assume that about myself. But... I have to ask, like, what is the difference between you and me that I fell for it and you didn't? Because you were absolutely right and I was absolutely wrong. And the pretentiousness of these students and the cult 
around Derrida, it was amazing. He would come to Yale every year and the graduate students would just be trailing in with his white silk scarves, you know, the Parisian look, the, the, the European intellectual that we all just fall in love with. Look, if only they'd had, you know, less deconstructionism, maybe many of these Miami revelers would be less violent. With and, and it was the very fact. See, this is the difference. You, I suspended disbelief at the opacity of the language and thought, well, I don't understand this. It, it sort of seems like it's endless punning and wordplay, but mm -hmm. I'm going to suspend belief and, and make the effort to understand. It would have been absolutely justified to say, this looks like bullshit. I'm not going to give it another another look. Now, the question is, what do we do about Hegel? He was white, therefore a white supremacist, so we can ah, okay. totally dispense with him. Okay, I want to end with, you said with something that's very interesting. I, I never do this with my books. You said, um, I don't know, someplace, it may have been the C-SPAN interview, that um, you're encouraged by publishers, you know, don't, don't just depress people. Right. <laughs> Come up with a, like an optimistic hope for the future. Um, and you say that you're pessimistic by nature, so that was difficult for you. But oh my gosh, you came up. And by the way, I never do that. I just make fun of liberals and hope that's here to do with this what you will. Um, but your, your optimistic way forward, I think, is extremely important. I do want to get this idea out there because I think anyone, anyone who, who, who cares about this country, Western civilization, um, not dying on the operating table someday, you know, After little stuff like that. After two deadly shootings um, in one of the most populous spring break locations in the country. 24-year-old Dontavius Polk had been arrested or has been arrested in connection with one of the murders. He's accused of shooting the victim with a stolen gun 12 times. Many people called it an execution. We're asking a hard question tonight. What should be done about the elephant in the room when you look at this video? We have seen the crowds and most of them are black. Young black people shooting others, even destroying a car. Do we have a major problem in the black community? Joining me now, radio host Claver Kabal Imani, Pastor Dr. Ruth Olison, and Waller County Constable Herschel Smith, glad to have you here on the Factor Uncensored. So, uh, Claver, when you see that video and you saw so many young black people, uh, not only in the shootings, but also in the attack of the car, jumping on the car, the behavior at spring break, do we have a problem? Are some people exaggerating it? No, I don't think there's exaggeration. I think we're being accurate when we are disturbed by it. I think we have problems with generally speaking four really important institutions in our country to where we're seeing a serious decline in morality um, in a culture first I think the capital C church is a problem that we need to deal with pastors from the pulpit are not preaching about these things we have a problem with government and governance we have a secular government but I call Washington DC Washington Devil City they've gone more than just secular they become anti-christian anti-bible the type of values that made this country and this state and this city great the third thing I think we have an education problem It's no longer education it's indoctrination and the fourth thing I think we have a parenting problem I think the skill the art the obligation of parenting has really been lost in the black community and I don't think we should really indict all of our black youth absolutely right? not. I mean there's absolutely some there's not. some excellent young people out there that are holding down a part-time job that are serious about their matriculation that really want to be contributors to our society economically culturally and you know we need to 
point them out. We need to uh, give them their, their laudits, their props. There's some good kids out there. But generally speaking, we have some institutions that are really exacerbating and accelerating the decline of our society. And I think it's showing up in what you see in Miami Beach and in other places and on other occasions. For instance, what we saw up in Austin when you had some joyriders taking over the streets of Austin to drag race and, uh, you know, to do donuts out there and do drift and holding up traffic and then attacking our police officers, our men and women in blue. That, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a consistent, it's a constant that we're seeing in our society. It's a decline and it's troubling to us all. All right. Dr. Olson, let's bring you into this conversation. Your thoughts on what we are dealing with. Are we being too tough on black youth? Are they being singled out, or is this a real issue that we need to address? Well, clearly, when we see video like we see there, we know we have a problem. We, we need to talk about it. We need to come up with solutions. But I do want to say this. That's not all of our youth. Right. And, and the youth who are doing good, the youth who are doing the right thing. They're at home. They're not in those videos. They're not making the news either. Mm -hmm. Can be... Uh, uh, invited to go to or even required to go to so that they get uh, some discipline uh, they get problems with some of our young black people uh, young uh, people that's out there. but you know the biggest problem is the young parents day the young parents that we seeing that is raising these children today it's children raising themselves you know as the scripture says in Proverbs 22 and 6 says you know you know when people don't realize to train their child in the way they should go, and the Bible said when they get old, they won't depart, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I, you know, my parents always made us go to church. Our parents had did some, put some things in our lives that, that we couldn't just play any kind of games and do anything. That was rules and regulation. But now you see these children. I, I work at, a, at, a, at, a, at an organization called CWAP, Children Without Placement. These children are uh, uh, getting into all kinds of things. They, the, the, the video games, uh, the killing on the video games, all this stuff is entering into the minds of these young people. And so when they get out in the public, they, they don't have a sense of conviction. The, the conviction they have is to have fun and to, you know, just, just make, and they think it's fun. But at, at, they don't really. <laughs> A flash mob ran through Walmart. About 60 kids. These are down all the aisles. They just destroyed the whole store. and whether race is playing a role in the spring break crackdown on South Beach. Amy. Well, Nicole, it really depends who you talk to. Some residents and city officials say something had to be done to keep public safety intact based on some of the behaviors we've been seeing. But others say the city is unfairly 
targeting black visitors and perhaps trying to make them feel less than welcome. We do not condone violence from anyone. Curfews, closures and chaos in South Beach as spring break visitors overwhelm the city. Most of those are young and black, prompting some to question whether race is motivating the city's response. They're met with heavy police presence, right? They're met with street closures. They're met with closed parking lots. Miami-Dade NAACP President Daniela Pierre argues the city's amped up police presence and aggressive enforcement of curfew with little notice to visitors sends an unwelcoming message and only adds to tensions. What are you targeting? Is it crime or is it a culture? COVID has had people pent up for quite a, quite a uh, long time, again, well over a year. The city's police... Yeah, it's obviously COVID and, and guns and out-of-towners. Chief telling Local 10 the environment this year is different and crowds have been challenging officers trying to make a rest. Wow, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that's different in American culture aside from COVID? I mean, there's, there's uh, Black Lives Matter, there's a discouragement of police doing their jobs, there's an encouragement of illegal behavior, so there are fewer obstacles to acting in a lawless way. Perhaps that has something to do with this massive upsurge in crime. Rests. I think they're coming here to kind of unwind a little bit, but, but I think they're also pushing the gambit of, of obeying the rules. Just look at the videos. We're not, we're not targeting a, a group of people. We're targeting conduct. Mayor Dan Gelber says this enforcement is about public safety. Videos in recent days have shown fights and damage to property. Some businesses have decided to close down over safety concerns. We still have a right to go on Miami Beach, and we still have a right to be treated fairly. And things are relatively calm this evening. Okay, and welcome and thank you for joining us on the second half of The Factor on Censored. Now, earlier this week, we had an honest discussion here about seeing young black people involved in all the crime in Miami during spring break. Video after video from murders to vandalism. We want our panel to address it if there is a problem in the black community. But most importantly, how do we fix it? Solutions. You've seen the video time and time again where Miami was slapped with a lot of violence during the spring break. Tonight, we brought our guests back. We started this conversation earlier this week. They're back addressing this problem. Radio host, Claver Kamal Imani, Dr. Ruth Allen Olison, and Waller County Constable Herschel Smith are all here again. So last time we talked, Claver, we were talking about trying to find solutions. We all acknowledge there is an issue that we need to address. We talked about family. We talked about the church. We talked about parenting may be part of the problem. Mm -hmm. So how do we address it when we see so many young black people involved in crimes like that where they're attacking and vandalizing a car, committing murder on camera, just shooting each other. It's it's just mind-blowing and hurtful to see as well. But how do we start addressing this, flavor? The first thing I think we need to do, first of all, Isaiah, thank you for the invitation. But can we start at the, really start at the root of the problem? Go to the root. At the very, think about what spring break was supposed to be, what it originally started out as. It was supposed to be about college students that were getting away after, let's say, their midterms or so, you know, to to unload some steam or to get ready and relax and, and decompress before they go back to campus to deal with midterms and certainly. I think many of these kids, they're just studying too hard. 
right? They're, they're just taking way too much tension. They're, they're, I'm afraid that they're imbibing the messages of white supremacy. They're trying to take on like the white man's ethic. You know, they have you know, all this internalization of all these foreign cultures and it's just wearing them out. The finals, that's what it was supposed to be at the very beginning. I'm having a hard time believing that a lot of these kids that were down in Miami Beach are college kids. If that's the behavior of our college kids today. I mean, they look like scholars to me. I mean, these look like very serious scholars. I think they're just under too much academic stress. I don't want to be around when they're at when, when they're holding the reins of control of this country. If that is the behavior of college kids today, I'm not very sure that the ones that were causing the trouble in Miami Beach are actually enrolled at any university anywhere in the United States. I think a lot of them were outsiders that were, were causing problems. That doesn't diminish the fact that what you saw in the video images were majority of black kids. And what I started talking about on Monday were four institutions that I really think need an MRI or an X-ray and a readjustment, a, a re-attitude about what their role really is. The capital C church, governance, education, the big education complex, big ed, and parenting skills, the role and obligation that parents have in this day and time to be able to direct their child. I think we need more midnight basketball, and I definitely think we need vouchers so that parents can send their children to the private schools of their choice. The constables say in the way that they should go, and when they get old, they don't depart. I think we're, we're, we're very far away from that. The church and pastors, especially black pastors, especially black pastors in mega churches, should be addressing from the pulpit, from a biblical perspective, the social ills that we're seeing consistently and constantly on an epidemic level, if you will. And the pastors aren't doing that. Number two, the governance. The, the idea of our government is actually pushing the anti-biblical ways that made this country great, the anti-constitutional ways that made this country great. Education, the fact that it's no longer education, but indoctrination, a decline in outcomes, which you can trace back to the actual um, inception of the Department of Education. The United States government should have no role in education at all. Education is not mentioned in the Constitution at all. And of course, parenting, I believe every black person understands the problem. Yeah, it's definitely the federalization of education. It's like, I think we only have these problems because of the Federal Department of Education. I want to show you what's going on in the classrooms, since many of you haven't been in the classroom for quite a while. Take a look. Wow, 
all. So that is what's going on all school year. So naturally, when you're stressed, you've been put through quite a bit during the school year, you need to go and celebrate spring break. Or for this group, they think that means spring breaking things. Take a look. Seeing here is clearly the result of white supremacy. Why aren't Miami cities like Miami Beach welcoming black youth? It sounds like racism to me by the city. They should pay reparations. Clearly part of the rising tide of video game motivated violence. Yeah, more table tennis will solve this. saddens me is i just know republicans are going to try to use this to to do more white supremacy could you imagine you're you know you've been beating people up all year you're you're in math class punching your teacher and it's just time to get down to florida and get with many like-minded people it's rap lyrics i think it's rap lyrics that's behind all this and destroy miami as well so that's what's happening now of course if you notice any trend in those videos you are a racist so we're not going to say there was any trend to those people. God, we've got to stop that. Hey, have you guys been to Freak Nick? Turn it off. What you need to show me more? You know what I mean? Come on, I just ask y'all. If y'all going to show something bad, just show something good too. You know what I mean? Show brothers, you know, stepping together. Or just chilling together. You know what I mean? Talking about unity. This is about this. This is about blacks coming together united. This is started. This city right here was started by black folks. My name is Jameek Adams, I go to King University, Union, New Jersey, in the house, in his house. I've been hearing about Freak Nick since I was little, you know. This is something that's passed on through the grapevine. <laughs> Nowadays, Freak Nick is so popular, it's on, a, it's on the internet. I was on a website Whoa. the other day with Freak Nick. <laughs> Whatever is possible to do, we're going to try to get into it. Hopefully, some girls mm-hmm. want to chill, play some spades, do our thing, you know. Mm-hmm. If the club scene is hitting, I'm there, because I'm definitely there. That's what I want to do, because I love to dance. You're going to see that this big boy can shake a booty, boy. <laughs> I love to dance. Let's go. It's for the freak Nick, y'all. A funky, funky, a funky step show. A funky, funky, a funky step show. I said this ain't nothing but a funky, woo, a funky step show. Stepping involved, like when the slaves came over, it was part of like the, the ritual worship services. It's just like carrying on a tradition. It's about rhythm and dance. Up and over, girl. Up and over. My name is Sherman Braxton Jr. My role on step team is uh, the stepmaster. Ready to dip. And you know, it gotta be somebody in the forefront to let people know when to do things and you know when to do them, where to do them, and how to do them. I'm styling stepping. Ah. Hardcore stepping. Hardcore stepping. Freak Nick. Everybody will be here. We throw this step show out. People in Arkansas, Nevada, they're going to know about this. Everybody and their mother going to be in there. Literally. 
I'm getting tired of people finishing before us. I'm getting tired of let me tell you something. The governor of Florida just issued a state of emergency for the city of Miami because y'all out of town spring break ass nigga out there killing up everything. Police in Florida are investigating a shooting that left one person dead near Miami Beach. Gunfire erupted in a crowded area late Friday night, sending dozens of people running for cover. We were inside this SUV right here in the front seat preparing a story about security when suddenly through this front windshield where you see that crime tape, we saw people running towards us. No screaming, but then we heard gunfire, at least five shots. Two people shot here Miami Beach police say one man died. A second man went to Jackson Memorial Hospital in critical condition. Y'all spring breaking need to stay y'all ass home. Can your ass to Mexico somewhere. Go to Jamaica. Ain't y'all been in Jamaica jumping off the cliffs and all that shit? Go do that. Don't come down here to Miami and mess up our city. All you police officers, man, y'all need to fall back because y'all know these locals don't even do that. We don't even go to South Beach like that. Only time we go to South Beach is Club Lil, Prime 112, or Mr. Childs or something like that. But that's for graduation or a celebration. And then we go to Club Lil, they had the brought future of somebody that we want to see, little baby. See, that's the problem, man. Y'all spring breaker, come down here. Y'all mess our city up and y'all go back home like ain't nothing happened, but y'all leave us on lockdown. We on lockdown, the trap can't make no money. Real Miami nigga go to G5, the office, they go to the strip club there, the mid there, little climax, something like that. Man, they ain't going no South Beach like that. That's y'all out of town there, nigga, that ain't never been down here. Messing ourselves. Real Miami people, we go to Winwood. See, Winwood is our new South Beach. We ain't gonna got there and we, it ain't far from our house. It right there by Overtown, right across from Little Haiti, right in the middle like that. We ain't on no South Beach. That's for them spring breakers. So y'all police officers stop scrutinizing us like that. Cause that ain't us doing that. That's the out of towners doing that shit, dog. Come way down here to the bottom of the map just to put a clip on the bottom of the scrap and leave us fucked up like that. Yeah, we ain't got nothing to do with that, man. Miami beef with Miami, and we know who beefing with who is. Them niggas ain't even beefing no more, because it ain't no money out there right now, man. We got to get our money back up to start the beef up again. It's different down here, man. Y'all done shut the city. This whole weekend, y'all done shut our city up. Look, I got them building Versace, Messi got bullet holes in it and shit like that. Man, carry your ass to Mexico. Carry your ass to Jamaica. Carry your ass to Cayman Island. Go to Costa Rica, some shit like that. We don't need your bitch chair down here, bro. Get your ass out of here, bro. Y'all spring break of messing up our city, man. Leaving us with the cleanup bill, man. A real Miami nigga that know about this city like that, no good goddamn well. You ain't even finna make it back across the bridge if you went on South Beach with that bullshit. It ain't but two or three ways on South Beach. Your ass ain't gonna make it before you get in the car. They got an APP on your fuck ass, man. Real Miami nigga know that. We don't even go over there like that. So y'all please stop scrutinizing us and classifying up with them screen break ass nigga that coming down here from goddamn wherever they coming from with that bullshit, man. Keep your fuck ass in your city. We don't need you down here. For the Miami niggas that down here, man, y'all need to stop putting down on these niggas, man. These niggas that coming down here, these screen break ass niggas with that wild and out shit, goddamn put them in their place, man. Let them know. Because they messing the city up. It's time to restore order and control, man. The police ain't doing their goddamn job. Real nigga got to step down on these niggas, man. Let them know, man, we don't play that down here. Because y'all messing up our money. Y'all make sure y'all subscribe to my channel. You. Wow. Uh, Nino Brown. Let's have a look. What's the 
Exposes, exposes man, I've been getting a lot of calls, man. A lot of industry folks been hitting me up, and they be like, yo, Nino, what's up with Khaled, man? Why he biting your style, man? Everything you doing, he emulating. What's up with that? So I say to myself, I say, well, damn, dog. You know, just let dog, little Nino Brown Jr. do his thing. You understand know what I'm saying? But see, they start sending me videos of this guy showing, you know, some of the things that I taught him and inspired him to do, and he ain't giving me my credit. So let me give it to you 100. Let me keep it real about one of the reasons I walked away and left dude. See, I left dude because dude was biting my whole style. Everything I did, he used to bite and try to reiterate like it was his idea because he had a bigger platform than me. So let me give it to you, Blood Row. I was doing the great thing. I caught him doing the great shit. He tried to run off with that. I got proof. Everything I ever did, he tried to the gold slug, son. Gold slug. Where you think he got that from? Everything he ever tried to do that I did has motherfucking either failed or it came to a head and somebody done called me and was like, Nino, what the fuck going on with Cali? Why he biting you? He's so successful. So let me tell you how this shit go. See, the rich stay rich by stealing from the poor. Why? Absolutely. Good evening, South. Okay, no word yet. Even though we're getting new information by the minute on the condition of the other victims uh, involved, and we can also tell you there have been no arrests. Noah Noble was there live on our 530 newscast right down the block from the scene when those shots rang out doing what we went off the air. We're right here on Highway 90 in front of Surf Style uh, to bring folks up to speed what happened about 533. Okay, this is spring break in Biloxi, Mississippi. Jacoby Rivers and I were out here. We're putting up the equipment. We heard about five gunshots uh, right in front of the Motel 6 here. Uh, within 30 seconds later, we heard another round of gunshots happen just in front of Surf Style. Uh, we saw the officer um, who was shot being escorted by a couple of other officers. He was put into a marked unit right here in front of us and sped off uh, east down Highway 9. The city of Miami Beach taking some drastic measures after a rash of spring break violence. It includes a midnight curfew after two deadly shootings. Christine Russo here with more for us. Christine. Steve, Teresa, a violent spring break weekend in Miami's South Beach. Police there imposed a nighttime curfew, and this isn't the first time the city has taken measures like this. Actually, last year, restrictions were implemented after five people were injured in shootings. The mayor of Miami Beach says he wants to cancel spring break altogether in their city. The city of Miami Beach issued a state of emergency after two deadly shootings this weekend. Officials there implemented a midnight to 6 a.m. curfew in the South Beach neighborhood Sunday. The volume of people in our city, the unruly nature of too many, and the presence of guns has created a peril that cannot go unchecked, especially in the evenings. Sales of alcohol after 6 p.m. are also prohibited there. Those who actually live in the city say spring break violence and chaos has become more common since the pandemic. South Florida was one of the only places that was open. And so we just had people from everywhere. Longtime Miami Beach real estate advisor and former resident Ivan Chorney says spring break crowds have become more intense in the past few years. Whatever the pandemic was bringing out in people, like being cooped up, whatever it was, like 
People were letting it out here in Miami Beach. And since spring break happens at different times for colleges across the country, it's not just one particular week where crowds roll in, but a consistent influx of tourists and college kids. Officials say the goal of the curfew is to dissuade late-night violence, which also affects locals who live and work there. We can't just sit by idly and, and, and let you know people destroy the beach and destroy the reputation, the ability to... Miami Beach has declared a state of emergency after a weekend of spring break chaos. Five people injured in back-to-back -back shootings. Miami Beach is now imposing a midnight to 6 a.m. curfew starting this Thursday night. But Local 10 has learned for the most part it's not tourists who are causing all the trouble. Local 10's Glenna Milbert allowed to explain this one. Glenna. You know, right now, 12 blocks from here, spring break central. City leaders are meeting at City Hall trying to figure out how to rid Miami Beach of spring break totally. That is what the goal has been for a few years, but the numbers we're now learning. It's not really about spring break tourism at all. The spring breakers may bring the crazy, but it looks like the locals are the ones bringing the crime. Where are you from? Maryland. I'm from Jersey. I'm from New York. Nashville, Tennessee. Some first timers, some are spring break regulars. Looking at palm trees, you know, eating good food. <laughs> the special police presence tourist attraction by day is overwhelmed by night. City leaders years long efforts to get spring break off South Beach may seem focused on annual visitors. City of Miami Beach has declared a state. Why would these people not want celebration and love just breaking out all over the place i mean love like vibrancy like energy uh dedication excitement i mean the thrill of youth i mean why the hate let's celebrate let's not hate let's celebrate of emergency but stats show the locals may be most to blame like the 19 year old arrested monday he's from hialeah the Smith and Wesson, with an altered serial number he reportedly ditched, is among 37 weapons seized just in the last few days. Certainly the guns that are here didn't come on an airplane, obviously. So we know that uh, much of the worst conduct is coming from people who literally live somewhere near South Florida. According to Miami Beach Police, since spring break enforcement started on February 18th, more than half the citywide arrests are people who live locally. Who lives in Miami-Dade County? Is this like primarily an Orthodox Jewish thing? Is this primarily a, a Japanese American thing? In Miami-Dade, causeway crossers, not spring break tourists. Those numbers on track to match spring break one year ago. Then of 636 arrests in the South Beach Entertainment District, fully 508 of them were locals. More than Why do they have to like declare these states of emergency, you know, impose like white supremacist ideology and law on people who have no interest in living by white supremacy. I mean, they're trying to declare a state of emergency on love, a state of emergency on joy, a state of emergency on vibrancy, a state of emergency on diversity. I mean, the racism inherent in the system is just so obvious to me than a hundred weapons seized. You can't balance uh, money you're getting from uh, visitors and resort taxes with public safety. So we're always going to err on the side of making sure we're safer than not. Crazy. <laughs> 
what you're looking at there, spring breakers since scrambling for safety on South Beach after bullets go flying. That gunfire ringing out late last night on busy Ocean Drive causing mass chaos. And we know the three people ended up in the hospital. Local 10's crime specialist Bridget Matter is live on the beach with this developing story. Bridget. This was really a wild night for people in South Beach. Three people shot, ending up in the hospital tonight. Police need the public's help to try and find out more information about what led up to this. Viewer video captured the sounds of gunfire in Miami Beach just after midnight. People running for cover along Ocean Drive and 8th Street. Police say three people were shot and taken to the hospital. And all of a sudden, gunfire. I, I think there was uh, five shots. Mitch Novick, a nearby business owner, shared this video of people running through traffic. It's also shutting Ocean Drive down to all traffic after spring breakers took over the street on Friday. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Never seen that many people in my life. Spring break 2022 has been mostly tame compared to years past where thousands have swarmed the beach to party. Stuff is crazy, but I mean, there's a lot of police out here and stuff. I mean, so, I mean it's safe, you know. We do know someone was taken into police custody. No word yet on any charges filed. Police are asking anyone with information to come forward. So is there like a better way to do this? And I think that Portland, Oregon is showing us the way forward. I mean, they are leading with love. They're leading with inclusion. They're leading with progressive policies. They're getting away from, oh, law enforcement first. Now let's bust on the, the bad people, like otherizing people. I mean, Portland, right? That's the way. Good morning from the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. These are images and video from an army of citizen journalists in Portland who have been documenting a city in decline. Public drug abuse, addicts sprawled on the sidewalks or wandering the streets, tent encampments on many street corners, and fires seen burning along the roadways. What used to be one of America's most beautiful and livable cities is being slowly destroyed by epidemic levels of crime, drug abuse, homelessness, and mental illness. One local is called Portland an open-air insane asylum. We went to one of Portland's many tent encampments with drug and alcohol counselor Kevin Dahlgren, who's trying to help the city's addicts. Many of the tents you see here are supplied by Multnomah County. Dahlgren believes at least some officials are okay with what's happened to the city. How could they not be okay with it for as long as this has gone on, right? Every day we walk past these camps, we see people languishing and dying on the streets. That is not okay. Every year we say this is a state of emergency, right? But who here is treating it like in a true state of emergency? Dahlgren says activists actually put up empty tents to attract more tents. That is a common practice to erect tents to invite homeless in, uh, to be homeless, right? And that makes our job now 10 times harder. They will just erect the tents in hopes that a person will find the tent and move inside. During our time with Dahlgren, he met one homeless man who said he was given a bus ticket to Portland by the city of Billings, Montana. Portland has become a mecca for addicts and drug dealers who have migrated here from across the country to take advantage of weak drug laws. It's also attracted drug cartels. There were 11 drug overdoses on March 31st alone, and one pill of fentanyl can cost as little as $1. I feel like we've invited people to come to our city to kill themselves. 
A Portland photographer who goes by the street name of Michelle Ghost has been capturing the decline of the city through her lens. We're giving them the tools that they need to stay alive just long enough to end up dying on our streets. After rioting over George Floyd's death resulted in the destruction of large parts of Portland in 2020, Mayor Ted Wheeler thanked the rioters before he was hit with tear gas. Things got worse for the city when Oregon voters approved Measure 110. It decriminalized possession of small amounts of drugs, making it a health care issue and not a crime. Police officials say it's led to a huge increase in the amount of drugs on the streets, which has led to a surge in crime. It wasn't always like this. Portland, Oregon, one of the nation's most beautiful cities. The citizens of Portland attend many fine churches. It is a family town, a good place to bring up children. In Portland today, a viral video shows a man using drugs in front of a child. Just last week, a man beat someone with a golf club in front of this Portland restaurant. The nervous owners then offered the attacker hot coffee, which he dumped on the victim. 79% of businesses surveyed in Portland have been victims of vandalism or break-ins. 19% have been vandalized at least five times. Uh, our business has been vandalized over half a dozen times. We've had uh, five burglaries in our business. We've had over $100,000 worth of impact. Walmart and Cracker Barrel are part of a wave of businesses that have fled the city. More than 2,600 downtown businesses have left. I'm very frustrated with what's going on. Tech company owner Gabe Johnson is also looking to relocate. By us continuing to keep our business in the Multnomah County and the Portland city uh, limits, we are giving money to the problem. And so we're going to move. Portland's social experiment, this progressive experiment, has gone colossally bad. Jeff and Angela are Portland business owners and community reporters with PDX Real. I can't stress it enough. It has impacted everything from our banks are being broken into, ATMs are being stolen. We have people that are just going to work, walking in their neighborhood, being assaulted. It's like it's in some sort of like controlled demolition, really. And when I say that, it's because a lot of this stuff comes from policy. Lax laws against car theft have made stealing cars a growth industry in Portland. One out of every two police stops in the city involves a stolen car. We went to one of Portland's former CHOP sites with Nick Haas, the founder of Guardians Theft Recovery, a community-based group that has helped recover more than 700 stolen vehicles. This is the site of the Midway CHOP operation. The Midway CHOP operated for about six to nine months, and our crew estimates about 250 to 300 stolen vehicles were illegally processed and cut up into pieces at this site. And they knew that there was basically catch and release. If you got caught with a stolen vehicle, you're going to get booked, you're going to get held for about 48 hours, you're going to get put back out on the street. So it kind of became like a candy land for him. Critics call Portland the poster child for what happens when progressive policy goes too far. Portland officials are now conducting tent sweeps to clean up the city. And some believe Portland may be turning the corner. But drug abuse, homelessness, and crime remain high. Imagine, absent some of the decay we've seen, what a great place it could be to live. MC Street Truth is the alias of a Portland businessman who co-founded the Coalition to Save Portland with Gabe Johnson. I remember when we used to celebrate 
the idea that Portland's weird. This is kind of how it is. It's weird. It's quirky. It's not funny anymore. We like to go back to where Portland was just weird. Now it's scary. One writer asked, how long does it take for a city to die? Dale Hurd, CBN News, Portland. All right, CBN News, the Christian perspective there on the news. Let's have a look at the chat. Everyone I know who lives in a city, this is the top issue. Yeah, crime, destruction. But you say this is vandalism. This is more like creative and expressive art. Why do we make value judgments on other people's culture? We need to give these people home so that they can expire indoors. Bernard says, that was the one thing that surprised me when I visited America last year. All these homeless people in the city centers haven't seen anything like that in any major European city, but it's the standard in the U.S. People in Oregon are outdoorsy types. They are temp people who, who share, temp people share that outdoorsy lifestyle. So sure, yeah, some people are going to overdose on love and bravery. There's a fires of vibrance. Well, the, the biggest problem with Portland is that it just uh, exudes whiteness. Writing and vandalism are great ways to decompress. Why not just create a fenced-off area, let people go at it? Man, this guy is living my dream, that great crown. What country is he a monarch of? Blessings. Bye-bye.